Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and coatings industry. Today's guest is Rudy Gutierrez, President and CEO of Shell Roofing Solutions, a California-based energy efficiency company. Over the last 20 years, he's developed strategies for companies with a focus on sustainability and energy efficiency. His experience in single-ply membrane systems, geothermal plastic membranes, and chemical liquid applied systems was instrumental in developing market share for Carlisle construction materials that today accounts for over $4 billion in annual material sales. Rudy, thanks for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so, so your business, it said somewhere that you started your business at the peak of the recession. Why? Well, it was the perfect timing to start a construction company. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was time for us, for me, my partner, to launch our business. We felt confident in our strategy, even though the market and our, some of our friends were saying we were crazy. <laughs> we felt very positive about our strategy of uh, energy efficiency through roofing, reducing energy consumption, reducing costs and allowing owners to leverage that cost savings to either reinvest in their organizations or just to keep people employed. Mm-hmm. And it really worked out that way. It was uh, easier for us to, to speak with an owner when during an economic downturn about energy efficiency mm. than it was to speak to an owner about investing a large amount of capital on a roof. Mm. So we felt positive about our strategy. I asked some friends in the industry and outside the industry prior to launching our company to take a look at our business plan. And in a positive economy, it absolutely made sense to them. In a down economy, they did, couldn't see the full picture, but the plan was was a strong plan. Mm-hmm. And... So I decided to build a team around me mm-hmm. of professionals and that believed in our strategy and just launched Shell Roofing. We knocked on the right doors and got positive answers. So in a down economy, we grew our business exponentially. Really? So it, it came kind of quickly for you? Like everyone's kind of like sitting at home, just kind of down, looking at the TV and you were out there just doing connecting with people and, and taking market share? Is that how it went down? Sure. If you want to look at it like that, you know, there's a lot of hard work to anything. Yeah. So we worked a little extra harder than, than you would in a, in a positive yes. economy. Yes. We networked in um, environments that were very specific to the type of market we wanted to be involved in. We found groups of owners that well, you still have to maintain your buildings. You still have to take care of your asset. And we found a group of owners that saw the right fit in energy efficiency through roofing. So all those key elements were instrumental in us achieving relative success 
we grew our business responsibly. A few a year into our business, we made a large investment to expand our business, mm-hmm. and we kept that mindset of just working diligently on our strategy, meeting the right people, being in the right environments, and promoting energy efficiency and leveraging the savings against the investment. Yeah. So, what sort of specific market segments did you sort of tackle, or how, how did that strategy work on a more granular level? So we focus on uh, very specific market targets. We knew that the food processing business, if you looked at all the market indicators, the international market, they're buying, we're exporting a lot of product, a lot of food product. So we have some expertise in, in the area, area of cold storage, food processing type buildings. They're not, they're not normal type buildings. So we expanded on that expertise and targeted that market segment. And the area was aerospace. And initially I thought, okay, well, there's Northrop, there's Boeing. We can try to go after those giants. Mm -hmm. We knew some people in those environments. But the smarter, I think, would turn out to be a fantastic strategy is to go after the nuts and bolts guy. My youngest brother, who is in aerospace, told me that there's 1.4 million parts in a commercial airplane. So to go after the the person that builds the seats, the cables, the fasteners, um, all the little components, which in our market, Southern California, Ah. uh, some in Northern California, there are some of the largest concentration of small manufacturers in the aerospace industry. Mm. We managed to tap into that specialized manufacturing and leverage our strategy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You didn't go after the big shiny shiny thing that everyone's competing against. You just went after the component manufacturers that are in the region supporting the, the big companies. Yes. So, and even with food processing, if you start to yeah. look at Break it apart and, okay, what's involved in food processing when you have packaging? So we went to the injection molding manufacturers that manufacture packaging. We went to the paper companies that manufacture boxes. And we started to cross do cross-marketing on behalf of the food industry. And it just worked. Our strategy worked out. It really set us apart from our our friends in the uh, roofing industry. Yeah. We, in some way, we are considered somewhat of a niche business. Yeah. Because we are more of a design build type roofing company. Mm -hmm. We build to suit the exact, whatever the environment's going to be internally. Mm -hmm. That's how we build a roofing system. Yeah. And that's what set us apart. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. It's sort of, it's a very strategic and sort of thought out approach you take. Did you kind of like, get that from your experience in the the other business that you were kind of leading? I think you were in a, in a sales role through Carlisle or is, is that come through some other formal sort of education or, or, or training? I have to credit all the people around me and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Carlisle certainly. I was involved in strategic accounts with Carlisle. So that gave me a certain amount of skill set, education, how to develop strategies for customers, long-term strategies. So Carlisle was one of the greatest educations that I could have received in roofing. 
I often say that when I when I left Carlisle, I left with a PhD in roofing across <laughs> all aspects of roofing. Yeah, and then ultimately, it was the different companies around the country that are specialized companies, roofing companies that are friends of mine that shared their strategies with me. And I was able to develop the strategy of best practices, develop a strategy that best fit our environment for Southern California and Northern California. Yeah, that makes sense. Now you refer to yourself as an energy efficiency company. And so, so you, you must have a host of services that kind of complement each other. What does that look like from an end client? So, yeah, I mean, you know, our product offering, all focused on energy efficiency, reflective membranes to mm -hmm. reduce the heat gain on the roof, additional insulation to reduce the uh, energy consumption of heating and cooling. In the areas of food processing, you want to seal the building, so additional layers plus vapor seals around all of the open areas. All of that contributes to efficiency. And with respect to skylights, we do a, a large amount of skylights per year to take advantage of natural light. We call it daylight harvesting. And that has proven to be a great product mix for us as we leverage energy efficiency against the investment. I believe one of the analyses that we did for a very large client where we installed skylights, we saved approximately 70% of his lighting consumption. Mm. And that's a large number when you start to look at it in scale, 100,000 square feet, million square feet, you bring in mm, a footprint of say 3% skylights into that facility, that changes your consumption of energy. So we were able to show all those things. And now in our environment, especially in Southern California where it's hotter, longer, the temperatures might still average, say, 90, 100 degrees. Yeah. But now it's more months averaging or more weeks averaging those temperatures. So now our clients, some of our clients are calling us for solutions to reduce heat internally. Mm. And that has proven to be a successful opportunity for us because we can't sell against a rainy, rainy environment because we don't have a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. But what we do have is more, more days now, averaging 90 to 100 degrees. Mm. So that has led, led us to a tremendous opportunity of impacting the temperatures internally in facilities. And, you know, it really started with one of our clients calling us and asking us, what should I do? Our employees are getting sick. It's 125 degrees inside. We met with some professionals in the area of energy efficiency and uh, insulation, came up with a strategy, and we were able to uh, impact. In particular, that building, we were able to reduce the temperatures down to about 82 degrees. Yeah. When you work in that environment as an employee, that's a major difference. Yeah, that's interesting. So I know that you talked about long-term strategy. I guess you look at other companies a lot of them, they think short-term. Like, what would you say to someone that is kind of thinking short-term? Like, how, how should they go and become, or how do they transition to become a company that looks long-term? Like, what, 
what sort of systems and things that they, they need to sort of put in place to really sort of execute on a long-term strategy properly? So for us, our strategy was to have organic growth. Mm. And obviously you achieve that through, through time. And some of the projects that we did at an initial launch several years ago, those projects are coming back to us. And with either tenant improvement or even re-roofing, we love organic growth. Mm. We achieve that by offering our clients a long-term approach and building a long-term relationship. So one, create a service program for them. Mm. Two, have a, an agreement after you install a brand new roof, which is recommended by all manufacturers, by the way, in their mm-hmm. warranty. Have a long-term agreement with them to maintain the roof. That keeps you in front of your client. It's not a one-time event. When that opportunity comes back for re-roofing or a major improvement on the roof, you're front and center. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Now, I know that I think it says somewhere that you run your business with your brother. My brother is the vice president of our company, and he is my business partner. During the, at the peak of the recession, yeah, he used to manage a very large roofing company yeah. in Southern California, primarily focused on new construction. Ultimately, the business ended up closing because they weren't focusing on long-term strategies with their clients. Yeah. So the opportunity was there for for me to have a partner that had the skill set of project managing multiple projects at at the same time, the respectability of the teams, the crews that we that we have on board. And ultimately my brother and I work really well together. So that's <laughs> that's just a bonus for us. That's awesome. That must be fun. So I believe you guys are have a fairly strong culture. I mean, that's the sense I get from what everything I've heard from sort of the industry. What's the key to having a, a great culture? Listening. Uh, we didn't come up with any of this ourselves. We, we went to our friends in the industry that have a, a long-term business. We sat with our friends at Commercial Roofers, Dennis Conway, Scott Howard. They own a very large company in Las Vegas. Everybody loves working for those two. And I wanted to to sit with them and ask them how to build that positive culture. They walked us from the front door all the way through their company, all the way to the back and back in through to the front, full circle. Yeah. On the complete operating aspect of their business and how they operated. We were able to take some of that positive strategy and implement it into our own strategy. So ultimately, what we created was a team environment. We don't relate to our employees as employees. We call them team members because we are a team. Our client hires us for, for a large project. And as a team, we got to achieve that project and deliver it exactly like we said we were going to do. So it takes a team to do that. We win together. We lose together. Collectively, I believe that creating a team atmosphere creates great synergy. Often when we bring in new team members, their task is to integrate themselves into the synergy of our existing teams. Mm. That's not always easy for somebody to do. So the positive atmosphere is that we are a team. We treat everybody with respect. There's no reason for us to deal with tough situations in a manner that is unprofessional. Mm. And I think that's what defines 
strong management, a strong culture, and respect for your team that you're going to have some challenges. How you deal with them is how it's, it's going to set the tone for the entire project or sets the tone for your team culture. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Now, where do you sort of see, because you're always kind of looking at the trends that are developing and emerging, what sort of key trends are you tracking right now? So we pay attention to the market. The market will tell you exactly where you need to go as far as the next evolution of growth. So here are some key factors. According to the construction forecast by the American Institute of Architecture, by Anderson School of Economics, other other forecasts that we get from our friends around the country, the data says that Certainly, food processing will continue to, to grow. The low-income housing, multi-level income housing, that will have uh, positive growth all the way the next six years or so. Certain segments of the market, meaning certain states, like Southern California is going to have some construction renovation for the next till probably 2027 before the Olympics. So we see hospitality as a positive area of growth. We see restaurants as a positive area of of growth. So entertainment becomes a bigger factor. Logistics becomes a bigger factor. As we see the some of these agreements taking place, meaning international agreements with other countries, we are obviously a very large logistic hub for the United States. So we see logistics as a positive area of growth. Keep in mind that our focus is energy efficiency. So when we go sit down with a, with a client, we're going to take them through energy efficiency all the way through and leave them ready for solar, mm-hmm. which would be the next phase in our market in California for mm-hmm. a lot of very large facilities. We see that growth already taking place. We work with some of the largest integrators in the country, and California is very busy for them. So. Paying attention to the market, market segments are going to be very important. In a down economy, we target healthcare. More people get sick in a down economy. We target public buildings. So that's kind of how we look at the market. Every year we sit down, starting in somewhere around December, we start getting some of these forecasts. We summarize everything, and in December, we have a team forecast meeting. We invite our vendors. Sometimes we even invite a competitor and say, this is where the market, where we think the market's going to go. These are where the professionals are saying. A competitive uh, roofing or energy efficiency company? Another roofing company, sure. Yeah. Keep in mind, whatever your strategy is in your business, you should have a strategy and you should own it. It should be difficult for another company to to try to, to sell that strategy. Mm-hmm. Our strategy is not a difficult one, but you still have to articulate it to a client. You still have yeah. to be able to say it in a way that makes him see, makes that person see it your way. I like that. Own the strategy. Well, because ex- saying it or sort of talking about it is one thing, but executing against something is extremely difficult. And your whole team has to be on board with it. So when you bring a competitor, what, what's the, the rationale just to, to help and share? Back and forth, like what? What's your rationale there? I'm just trying to understand. Look, you saw me in a in a forum where we were sharing best practices with a lot of roofers. Yes, 
Yes. We're not doing anything different other than we're hosting a forecast meeting. This information is public information. So if they did their homework, they can get all this information themselves as well. Yes. Yes. We're just keeping a first, we want to, we want to be good stewards of our industry. The roofing industry has been tremendous to my family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, sometimes inviting some of our friends in the industry, it's a positive move. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I like that. So you're, you're, I think you're involved in lots of different associations and initiatives. Do you want to talk a bit about some of the stuff you're involved in? Sure. So, you know, I'm very lucky to be involved with the NRCA, National Roofing Contractors Association. I've been able to be involved in committees that are very important. We're on the chair of, co-chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee, which is developing a, a strategy around diversity and inclusion. And I was taken back by the fact that after 130 years of existence, the NRCA did not have a diversity inclusion strategy. Most major organizations around the country, around the world, have adopted or are adopting strategies of this type. This is a major move for the NRCA. It opens up the opportunity for everyone. This is an all-inclusive association. So I've seen so much transformation happen in the last several several years. When Reed came on board, Reed Ribble at the NRCA. Yes. Yes. His strategy, his focus, and his drive has inspired us to make these changes. We have a, through the NRCA, we have now pro certification, which is a path to professional roofing, giving our industry identity, professional identity. I think that that's going to change our whole culture in the roofing industry. It's going to change the mindset of our clients when they see a pro certified roofer. I think it's going to be special. So, you know, coming in at the right time to see all these strategies develop and programs being launched, I'm honored. I'm honored to be part of the NRCA. I'm involved with the Latino Chamber of Commerce, which mm -hmm. is one of the largest chambers in the country, predominantly Latino business owners, focused on almost the same things, on all the positive attributes that our culture has made to the economy. Of course, the Latino or uh, the Hispanic economy is a $3 trillion economy. So our buying power is, it can't be ignored. It's in our industry, in the roofing industry by itself, 60% of the entire industry is made up of Latinos. So in the future, there's going to be more people like me, business owners or decision makers, that are going to be Latino. So industry is taking note of all that, making changes to be all inclusive, not just necessarily for just Latinos, but all cultures. So I'm very pleased to be involved in those associations that recognize diversity and inclusivity. And ultimately, I'm involved in nonprofit with certain nonprofit organizations that focus on kids. That's what our company is about. Every year we, we choose, every year we choose a person, a family to donate a roof to. Two years ago, we donated a roof with our, in conjunction with our other friends in the industry, our roofers, we got together and we installed a brand new roof for a Ronald McDonald house. Last year, or this past summer, 
We donated a roof to a family uh, locally, a former Army veteran, a former correctional officer. We installed a brand new roof at no cost to their family here in our area. So every year we choose to do something. And this industry has blessed us with a lot of things. So that's our way of giving some of our blessings back to the community. That's great. So you're involved in a ton of stuff, ton of great stuff. How do you how do you sort of balance all that? I mean, what are your sort of habits or routines that help you sort of keep it all together? So yeah, you know, it could be challenging, but I have I have a very strong team around me. I have a vice president that obviously the implications are that he's part owner, so he's focused on achieving success just like I am. We have a director of sales who has 40 year plus experience in in the construction industry. We have a director of project management who has equal amount of years in the roofing industry. So starting with that executive team and then everybody around us, you know, I'm pretty lucky to have all those people around me because then it allows me to be an advocate in our in our industry. Very nice. So is there anything I should have asked you, but didn't. What you should have asked me, let's see. Well, I think we covered quite a bit. I just, this industry has been an amazing industry. And I think if I have to, if I had to think of one thing maybe is why? Why did I get into the roofing industry? (laughs) Why? So when I was a kid, I started working in construction when I was 15 years old. And my cousin owned a construction company and he put me to tear off a roof. Yeah. So first day I was exhausted, exhausted. The next day I came back and I finished tearing off the roof. And then I told him that I will never, ever, ever, ever be involved in the construction industry, let alone ever touch a roof ever again. <laughs> and I have never been away from the construction industry. I put myself through school, through the construction industry, achieve higher learning through the construction industry, involved in the roofing industry for almost 30 years or 30 years now. And the industry has given me an amazing life. So the reason why is because I've had an amazing life being involved in the construction industry. And I have had life-changing moments in the roofing business. Well, that's very, that's very great. I can feel your passion for it. And yeah, you definitely shared some great nuggets that I'm sure the audience will get something out of it. So thank you so much, Rudy. It is my pleasure. I want to end by saying that it's our responsibility, regardless of what industry that we're involved in, when we achieve relative success, we have to share it and we have to advocate for our respective industry. The roofing industry just happens to be a very generous industry, an industry that gives back to the community, an industry that, that has genuine people involved in it and hardworking people. The industry also has, been, has transformed in the last several years to a highly technical industry. And now with a path to professional roofing, this industry is going to have professional identity. And that's a cultural change. I am absolutely excited about that, seeing that 
come to fruition in my lifetime. Wonderful. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. Also, want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone, anyone that would benefit from this episode, please pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.